Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey everyone, welcome back to A Little Better. My name is Aaron, I'm Henrietta Campus Pastor, and we're so glad that you're joining in for the podcast. And now I feel this very strange requirement that I have to look at the camera while I'm talking because we are now recording these podcasts, not just audio, but also video. So it's a whole nother layer. Drew, what's your, what's your feel on this right now? Uh, you know, uh, the girls are in full bore. So um, yeah, they just are. They're taking over. So I'm, it is what it is. Uh, I, I think it would be cool to post this on social media and hang out with people. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all in. All right. I love it. I did not realize how bad my camera quality was and how dirty the screen in front of my camera was until we were about to start recording again. Because last week it was very obvious that our video quality was worse than yours. And then this week it was even worse. And I just literally got up and like wiped it with my shirt and it's looking substantially better. For all the people, by the way, who are not watching, they are so mad that we're still talking about this. (laughs) But anyway, so video, hopefully we, you know, this ends up being a different way to create engagement. And uh, it was super fun to have our wives on last week. This is a substantially less good looking episode of the podcast. That's the truth. That is the truth. But we kicked off week one of Church Perks and we're going to get to talking about that in just a moment. But there's a few things I wanted to go over first. And uh, one of them is reopening. Over this weekend, this past weekend, you announced our official... I don't know, official reopen day. Is that the right way to describe it? T- talk to me about August the 9th. Yeah, it's exciting. August the 9th, we will be uh, back to live gatherings. Obviously, it's going to feel and look a little bit different. I'm going to have to follow some uh, unique guidelines. Um, we're pretty sold out that we're going to have for sure two campuses uh, open, our Salt Road campus and our Rochester campus. We're believing that our Regal uh, theaters, our Greece and our Henrietta campus are going to be open as well. Uh, they just announced they're going to be open in July 30th. So that gives us kind of a buffer window, but we're not sure when they're going to let their church department. So we're, we're hoping, we're praying, and we're believing that all four of our campuses are going to be rocking and rolling. Um, but we, you know, like everything in this season, we just don't fully know. But we're moving forward with it, and uh, it's going to be exciting. I mean, are you, are you excited? Dude, I am absolutely excited. I'm mostly excited to find out what's happening with my campus um, because that's going to be, it's almost one of the the things right now is like, um, I'm going to, when it finally happens, I'm going to be like, "Ah, it's actually happening until between now and then, like all of our planning is kind of like, but what's going to happen? So I'm thrilled like that day, if nothing else, it gives us something to shoot for, which has been hard in all of this to be like, hurry up and wait a little bit. You know, are we, is it next week? Is it a year from now? Like when is this actually going to happen? So having a date is nice and our teams can start to get rolling and in motion. And like you said, Regal might say we can't right open right away and that's fine. We'll, we'll sort that out, but it's nice to have something to shoot for. Um, and to get us rolling before we really get to fall. Cause there's obviously a lot of decisions that still have to be made about what August the 9th is going to look like, but it'll be nice to be back together. Yep. Soft launch. Just expect soft launch, hopefully grand openings in for all of our campuses, specifically, you know, Salt Road. But um, we're going to have grand openings, big parties, hopefully in September when I'm praying things get back to, you know, what normal is. Whatever normal is. I don't even know what that means, but I'm excited to see our church again. Just the people, Mm. just see people preach to a room full of 
Hey, if it's 50 or if it's 300 people or whatever it is, I'm just going to be like, I don't even know if I know how to do that anymore. I might struggle actually. Like, excuse me. I'm, I'm talking here. Silence. <laughs> it's you been know? a long time <laughs> since somebody laughed at your jokes. I mean like a whole laugh lifetime, but no. Yeah. There, there you go. Trying to make a joke about my bad jokes and you just usher in a terrible joke and you're <laughs> laughing and no one else is. Oh, well again, it's, I'm used to, I'm used to nobody laughing at my jokes, <laughs> but um, no, yeah. August 9th will be good. And we've got a lot to figure out. I mean, when we, when you announced that Regal was saying they were going to be opening July 10th and since then now they're opening July 30th or 31st or whatever it is. So lots can still change and we're still waiting on a lot of guidance from the government, but Thanks for leading out. I mean, there's a lot of courageousness. In some ways, I'm excited there are other churches opening before us, and that gives us an opportunity to work, you know, friends with those people. We've already had people from our staff visiting other churches that are already open and saying, like, what can we learn? And um, appropriately masked and social distance. Don't worry, we're, we're doing it right. But lots to learn, and I love that we've got a community that wants to do that together. Yeah. So anyway, um, when thinking of this past weekend, uh, Church Perks, you kicked it off week one, but this week represented a pretty important milestone for you in 2020, which I want to mention, which is typically over the summer, you take a few weeks off um, of preaching, not of working, but of preaching on the weekends. And so this will be, this starts that and 2020 has been a tough, has been very tough sledding for you for these first six months. And so it's got to feel good to have, uh, you know, into your summer break before fall kind of knocked out. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever experienced a harder season in life than these last four months. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I I, th- I don't think you know people understand, especially for pastors, what they're going through right now. And and I don't want to like give everybody like I'm not a victim. They're not a victim. You know, we don't want people to feel bad for us. But we've had to like I've had to wrestle through the loss of my dad, COVID, church being like moved online only, racial, you know awareness and injustice like they don't train you on any of these things in school like never have i once had any conversation and i mean it right and you know and and our our world is so tense right now that people Mm -hmm. are tense and you're not you're not getting to see people face to face which makes people doubt you and i mean i just want to make my email public and just show people just like (laughs) What one week's worth of emails from people look like. It's <laughs> great. And, you know, in the midst of all these tensions, understandably, people are looking to faith leaders, right? That, yeah. that these are the people that they trust, that they go to during hard times. And, and unfortunately, what has happened for you in particular is that two of maybe the hardest seasons that, you know, we say that naively now, we'll see what comes in 2021. But <laughs> right now, what looks like two of the hardest things that might happen in your ministry career just came on the tails of something, you know, in- incredibly hard at a personal level. So yeah, you've been, you've been going through it. And on, on top of that, of course, most people's jobs, you know, when you think about your job, most people don't have a weekly presentation in front of thousands of people for 30 minutes. And you do <laughs> at the end of every week you got that's coming. So to not have that for a couple of weeks, I think is going to be a healthy uh, shift for you. And, you know, the lots of people do this. This is a very normal thing for, um, to lead pastors, not only just for their personal selves, but frankly, it just gives a chance for other communicators who are like chomping at the bit to get a chance to speak. Um, yeah. It gives them I, an opportunity. I like that for two reasons. One, I need a break. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm running thin. I'm, I'm not even sure I've had a chance to, you know, un- understand what the, the loss of my dad is like. I've just been kind of grinding as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm looking forward to just 
grieving, mm-hmm. honestly. And, um, and I love hearing our other communicators. We've got some awesome campus pastors who can communicate God's word. And we've got some younger guys who, man, the way I learned to communicate was to get opportunities and take advantage of them. And so we got some great communicators and I'm looking forward to hearing from their hearts and what God's doing in their life and in their season as well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm privileged to be able to be one of those and to work with some of those communicators too, as we kind of orchestrate it all. And you don't, obviously it's not that you're not working. In fact, we write all summer, you stay 12 weeks ahead in your writing. We're writing three months ahead at all times. And, um, this enables you to do that is over the summer, we, the, the grind is still on for writing. So we, we already finished the first kickoff series for fall and we're into the second one, uh, which will be great. So yeah, looking forward to that aspect of it. But then um, let's actually talk about Sunday. Things got a little heated on Sunday. Um, how have the, let's start with the positive. Uh, what was the response to people texting trust? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, God's moving in the season and he is, and we've seen this continuously, you know, I gave people a chance to respond to the gospel and we saw 11 people, um, text trust, uh, to the number. It sounds terrible. I'm so, I'm so conditioned to say this to the number on the screen, <laughs> but I mean, you know, God's moving in people's hearts and in the uncertainty of our world, they're going to certainty, which is our rock, our, our, our you know, our savior. And, mm-hmm. Man, I, I get so excited when I see people cross the line of faith. Now, we're going to have some conversations and follow up and disciple those people. So the journey is just beginning. But man, we celebrate that. Heaven goes crazy mm. when someone crosses the line of faith. And so should we as Christians. We should be rejoicing and celebrating. And man, I'll, I will pray for those people by name this week as I look mm. at that list, man. I love it. Praise God. 11, 11 more folks that God, you know, God's been using COVID, which we've said all along. But it can be hard to remember in all of the tension and difficulty that we've been walking through. So, you know, praise the Lord for that. Um, and, you know, you had some hard but true things to say uh, on Sunday. So I want to lean into that. Have you I've got some, you know, had some good questions come in and, and dialogue surrounding Sunday's message. Um, but I do want to just mention for one second this quick uh, product placement that just happened here as I was taking <laughs> a drink, which if you're listening and not watching, you can't tell, but I'm using a Northridge mug that we gave away to our Henrietta volunteers this last year. So no big deal, but it's just some cool product. placement. Um, <laughs> shout out to HenFam. But so one, one question I got was uh, about, you talked about how Jesus would have loved people who, su- Jesus loved people who supported abortion. And I think that their question was like, oh no, wait, was there abortion? I didn't know that. I thought that was like a new phenomenon. And obviously there weren't political parties back then in the same way that there are today, but you know, little known fact, there were definitely people performing abortions and have been for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, it's not a new trick that we learned in the 21st century. This is, hmm. this goes back to, you know, everything that we do with, it's not new stuff. Hmm. It, it might look different in our culture, but you know, the procedures might be more out there and more, you know, medical, but same, same sin issues that people mm-hmm. deal with are the same ones that were back then. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, what we, what we know of his entire track record, even with his disciples is that he had people all over the political map, which is something that I loved about. You bring that out with Judas in washing the feet, but even within his disciples, something that you know, obviously there's not time to talk about all the disciples, but Simon, the zealot, you know, we've yeah. got like a political activist to the extreme, by the way, he would have been a rioter, a looter, somebody inciting and enacting violence personally. And then you've got tax collectors, right? (laughs) So now we've got people loyal to the Roman government who are extorting on a regular basis for their own personal benefit. 
both of those people on the team. And then you've got Galilean fishermen in between. Maybe they're literate. Maybe they're not. And paying massive taxes. And Jesus comes. They try to make him king at some point. Simon the Zealot is probably like, yeah, like overthrow Rome. <laughs> and he's like, hey, dismiss the crowds. I don't want anything to do with these people anymore. And he leaves. And give to Caesar what is Caesar's, which by the way, Matthew, the tax collector would have loved that moment. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And, and I'll take what now. is mine. I'll say <laughs> what is mine, you know? I'm, um, I'm sure Jesus, even with his best friends, he navigated the tensions that we're navigating in the season. Because again, you got people and people are different. And in their diversity of thought, it, people just go different directions. Jesus had that within tw- just 12 guys, just 12 hmm. guys. And he, he apparently found a way to manage the tension such that they stuck with him, but he was not afraid to have that tension around him. And also he was so confident in the Holy Spirit's coming and his death, burial and resurrection, what that would accomplish and the Holy Spirit's work in the disciples that he was convinced that that group of 12 people as disparate as they were as completely antagonistic as they should have been on the service. He was convinced that their love was going to be what was so compelling yep. that the whole world would know. Yep. I don't I just went on a rant there. That was <laughs> oh, good. It's very good. Um, so anyway, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the, the stinky love idea and how, like, what does a commitment to Christ above policy, above people who agree with you, what does love look like for people you disagree with? I guess, how have you been working through that in this season? Yeah, it's, it's one on, you know, what, what Jesus says, I'm going to pray for those who persecute me. So it's a, it's a love that actually puts my enemies before myself. It's, it's, I'm going to go to battle for you, even though I disagree with you, even though I can't stand you. And so, you know, it's, I said this Sunday, and I think this is so true. It is so hard to dislike, to disdain, to struggle with someone who you are actually truly praying for. Hmm. Um, And I think God just, it's you. What so? What I've learned in life is when I want someone to change, usually God wants me to change. Mm. Mm. And go here, say that. And, Come on. You know, like it, it's amazing. You know, it, it's just amazing. I'm like, God, you got to do something in this person. God, I'm I'm praying you would change this person's heart, and God's like, Hey, dum dum, I need to change yours first, mm. and I need to show you. I need to soften your heart towards that person. I need to soften the way you communicate to that person, the way you think about that person. And I just think as Christians, like my whole goal in yesterday was not to like get out the spanking spoon and give everybody a spanking. It was to bring unity to our church and to believers who have differing thoughts, who feel like, you know, cops or the black lives matter. People are, are, are bad. And, you know, at some level we could say, Yes, maybe to those things, but the goal is not to, to point out people's faults. It's to love them to the change that only God can produce in them. Mm-hmm. And wow. There's so much to unpack there. <laughs> keep going. If you've got more to say, I want you to keep talking. <laughs> honestly, it, it was just an overflow of my struggle. So it wasn't like I do this perfectly. So, Hey, everybody, let me teach you how to do this. It was God, I, I'm struggling in this season of what to do and how to lead and how to follow and how to guide. And I just feel like God was like, Hey, this is it right here. My love is what changes the game for people and for you. 
And I just kind of wrestled through all that. And then I just shared my heart. Mm. And you know me, my internal lawyer starts to fire. And I, I start thinking about from my own perspective, I'm like, okay, fine. So I need to love everyone. But that's not, that can sound a little cheap, right? Like, okay, you just want me to love people. In other words, be nice. But that could sound like be complicit or just go along to get along or just, you know, whatever. And I think what I'm finding is as I'm challenged by those who are strongest in their opinion, especially the people that I agree with who are strong and leading me, pulling me along toward the perspectives that I agree with. And I'm, I'm learning to walk and run along in that path. I'm starting to get more desirous to see change. And like you said, they need to change their prison. I got to fix this. And if I could just post the right article or whatever. Um, and then when someone calls me to love, it sounds so 101 that I'm like, okay, yeah, fine, love. But there's, so, there's complexities here. We got to challenge. We got to speak truth to power, whatever. Like, there's more to the story. But I think what I'm coming to realize is it has, of course, of course, there's the challenge element. Of course, Jesus flipped tables and all those kinds of things. He was challenging. But un, until I'm exhibiting and can work from a heart of love, then all everything I do will come from a place of pride and self-righteousness. And I'm not going to effectively serve even the people that I'm trying to serve. Like, let's say I'm trying to serve, you know, whatever people of color, whatever. I won't even effectively serve them until I am an activist from a place of love. Right. When I study Jesus's ministry, what I see so often in him is he led with love and then spoke truth. Hmm. And so I, I think the reason behind that is love softened the heart to receive the truth. Hmm. And so you think of like the woman at the well, he didn't, he didn't, shy away from the sin that was there. He didn't pretend like she was living a holy life, but he loved her. He went out of his way to be with her. He said, you matter. I care for you, but here's the problem. And if you leave this problem, this sin, you'll experience true me, you know, like, and mm -hmm. you see that all throughout. And honestly, the people Jesus was hardest on weren't lost people. It was the religious people. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who should have known better, but lived differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes we, we are harder on people who shouldn't know any better because they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. We, we were like, what, what's wrong with these people? I'll tell you what's wrong with them. They haven't experienced the love of Jesus. They haven't experienced the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They don't know any better. And you wouldn't be any different if Christ hadn't changed you. Yeah. And so we, we, we judge people and we get frustrated with people who shouldn't know any better. Yeah. And I think that when we, when we put they, whoever they are in a category of people who behave totally differently than I would in their circumstances, it assumes so much about our own capacity and is, is usually full of arrogance, right? Like, Mm -hmm. It's rare that you can find someone doing something that sounds insane to us, that if we weren't presented with their same set of circumstances, that we might not do the same. And were it not for the grace of God, that's sure. exactly who I would be. And so yeah. that leads us to grace, you know, grace and truth, right? That's the same tension as love and truth. Um, but I'm just finding that like, as much as I want to push the ball down the field and I need, I can't lose my urgency in that. I also can't lose, 
um, the right heart motivation. Like if I end up become motivated by self-righteousness, even for a good cause, um, good can't come from me personally if I'm motivated by the wrong things. And so I got to be willing to say stinky love, like I'm going to be washing feet and let that be, it's from that place of humility, that posture of serving that I can find myself in a position to push people who are behind me on this journey and people who I'm are on the other end of my service, you know? Right. And I think, you know, when you look at John 13, you know, Jesus is with his disciples. So those are people who know the Lord, obviously they're, they're, they're following him. They've chosen mm-hmm. to follow him. And I actually think for many Christ followers, the hardest, the hardest people to love are the people who claim Jesus, you know, and so true. Come on. Are, I, I, I'll be real. Like a, as a pastor, there are times where I just get sick and tired of Christians. Honestly, <laughs> come on, talk I, about I'm, it. Talk I'm, about I'm just, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be real. Like I, I, I'm tired of like the complaints and I'm tired of this and I'm tired of this. And, 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 and I'm not alone in that. Everybody kind of feels that tension. And man, sometimes the hardest people to love are the people who we're supposed to go to battle with. And we're supposed to be, you know, fulfilling the more and better in, in the mission God gave us. And, you know, it's, sometimes I think, and you know, this is an exaggerated statement, but sometimes I think one of the most divided places isn't the world. It's the church of God, you Mm -hmm. know, and I I think we want to experience that unity that I talked about when we choose to love each other in spite of our differences. And there's, there's just something beautiful about unity through that, that can really, we can really do a lot um, for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Because I think there are people far from God who look at the church and like, why, why, why would I want to have anything to do with that place? All you guys do is bicker and fight and yell at each other. It's like, that doesn't seem super attractive to me. Yeah, we're not showing off right now in this category of love and unity. It's not like the, the world, whatever that means, is getting this big unified picture of like, this is what Christians stand for. We're getting a lot of mixed messaging right now, which is part of the problem. Everybody, everybody inside of Christianity and inside of, forget Christianity, Northridge Church, right? Like we don't even have to talk about yeah. the church at large. These conflicts exist within our church. We're all saying, you're giving Christianity a bad name. You're giving Christ a bad name. Whatever you stand for, you're giving it a bad name. And I think if we can, it sounds you know lame to say, if we can sit down and come to a place of understanding of our brothers and sisters in Christ who want the same things we want, but want to get them a different way, if we can get a little more understanding and can present something of a unified front to the world around us, we might begin to be able to create some understanding. But there's a lot there. And I love that Jesus modeled it with service and then self-sacrifice. Um, despite the fact that he was surrounded by 12 people, one of which was going to betray him to his death. And the others had vastly different political views and even expectations of what he would accomplish. Right. Yeah. He dies and they all scatter. Cause they're like, well, there's the end. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> um, they all, none of them were expecting what he accomplished, but vastly different expectations, vastly different political views, totally different means of accomplishing the goals that they had. And Jesus said, I know for sure what's going to unify you. It's going to be love. And that's how you're going to change the world. And somehow they figured out a way to do it. So I think we've got the same God, same Holy Spirit, the same. And we actually have the completed word of God as well. And, uh, and we even have Zoom. So, I mean, like, we're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, Drew, anything else you want to include or tell us about this coming weekend before we shut it down? Uh, we're continuing in a series. Our Webster campus pastor, Nate Miller, is going to be talking about another one another. Uh, so 
I, I think it's cool in this season. We're talking about the one another's because, you know, it's, it's the church. And so we need one another. And I think it starts with love, but we're going to continue to build on this uh, series. So I think it's gonna be really good. Looking forward to the weekend. Happy 4th of July for everybody, by the way. That's right. Happy, happy 4th of July. And we hope you guys have a, a great weekend and we will hopefully see you or hear you next time. Thanks for listening.